Thanks, Dave. Sure. That's amazing, huh? Would you turn with me in or to 2 Samuel 9? Um, and I'll be reading from verse 1 to 13. You can use your phones. I'm doing it, so don't be embarrassed. Or you can open the Bible like Dave. So. so I've entitled this morning, The Power of Kindness. And um, I just want to pick up a few things about, about what, what kindness can look, look at or what maybe it should look, at, look like. And um, so I want to start with the story of, um, of David. Um, and then I've got a few things I'll pick out of that. So one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned, he summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's a crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar. Some of these names, eh? it's like a... Ziba told him. At the home of Makir, son of Amil. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. His name was... Yeah, yeah, you guys can read that, eh? <laughs> Murphy Bosheth. I don't know. If you guys... Dave, some interpretating of that? Was... Sorry? Murphy Bosheth. Okay, so it's easy. Look at that. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. Where he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Murphy Bosheth. Okay. So I'm just going to simplify this if you don't mind. I don't know disrespect to this guy. But Jonathan's son replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. So Jonathan's son bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show, show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But my, my feeble, oh my goodness, your master's grandson, that's him, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Jonathan's son ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. He had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Jonathan's son's servants. Okay. 
So for about 30 years, a guy by the name of Randy Murphy drove without a traffic incident, without being stopped by the police and without a driver's license. Then the 46-year-old Knoxville, Tennessee native ran out of luck. On his way home from work as a dishwasher, he increased the volume on his radio and turning the corner, he was stopped by, pol by police officer Mark Taylor, who pulled him over because of the blaring music. When Officer Taylor asked Murphy for a driver's license, Murphy admitted he didn't have one. What would, what would we expect in that situation? I don't know, we don't have many traffic officers, so. But if we were normal, uh, what would we expect in that situation? And Officer Taylor asked Murphy, why he didn't have a, a, a driver's license. So Murphy said that he couldn't read enough to pass the written test. With uncommon courtesy, Taylor told Murphy, if you're willing, I'd like to help you with the reading part of the test. The police officer gave Murphy his pager number, and then later that afternoon, Murphy paged Taylor to schedule the first, their first meeting. For the next three months, the men met several times a week to review the test booklet. When Murphy felt ready, Taylor accompanied him to the Department of Motor Vehicles. Murphy took the test six times before he passed, and then he sailed through the road test. Taylor's act of kindness earned him the Officer of the Month Award from the Knoxville Police Department. Like, I was so moved by the story, I thought, man... Um, like how often do we, do we see acts of, of kindness like this in today's times? You know, and um, I was just going through some scripture while, while preparing this thing, um, this, this, this sermon, and just a couple of texts I wanna, or scriptures I just want to quote before we get into some of the points I want to make is in um, Jeremiah 9.24, God is kind, and he said through, through, uh, through Jeremiah, I am the Lord who exercises kindness. The psalmist said, You are forgiving and good, O Lord. In Romans 2.4, it says, God's kindness is that leads us to repentance. And then in Jeremiah 11.22, This kindness should encourage us to continue in His kindness. You see, kindness is one of the... One of the words that they use in the, in the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we, it's not just an attitude or something that we, we think we can just achieve or something. Fruit of the Spirit is something that, that we show every single day of our lives. And fruit of the Spirit is, is a fruit of Christ working out and the Holy Spirit working in our lives, and kindness is one of that is one of those um, parts that is mentioned in fruit of the spirit. And it's the sad thing in in society today is, if we are in a conversation with with each other and with Christians and people in general, and I guess it's particularly in, in South Africa because we are living in times where there is so much bad news out there. And Dave touched on it, and the, the challenge for us is to be praying into those things. But I was thinking to myself, you know, wouldn't it be amazing that if we as Christians 
begin to share stories of kindness that we have done or others have done that God has led people to, if we are to share two stories of kindness for every bad bit of information or every bad story we hear about a nation, wouldn't that begin to change? But unfortunately, as Christians, and I'm putting a broad blanket on this, so if this is not you, then just wash it off, you know? And, um, but for many Christians, or the religious side of Christianity, we have become so focused on talking Christianese. And we pray for revival, which is good. But we spend so much time just praying for revival. And we spend so much time finding people who we think can be our projects to convert them straight away. And we just want to preach the word and the word. And 100%, we should be praying for our unsaved family and friends. And we should be trying to share the gospel but more than that, if we as the Christians and people of God became people of kindness and people of action over just what we say or what we think we're doing, just praying, and I'm, like I said, nothing happens without prayer. I'm, just catch what I'm saying in this, but I'm talking particularly about kindness this morning. We need to be praying and we need to be showing acts of kindness because everyone that we come into contact with is on a journey. And if we can just greet people, if we can show people that little glimpse of who God is by our actions and our deeds, people will naturally draw closer to God. So we need to be people who, of, of action. And that is exactly who David in the story picked up. It was incredible because if you, if you remember the story of David, he's, um, he's obviously was best friends with Jonathan, but Jonathan's dad, Saul, knew that David was uh, going to be anointed to, to be king, and he wanted to take out David, and he wanted to kill David. And I don't know about you guys, but I guess the natural thing for most of us is in that situation, we will carry immense resentment or skepticism, or offense towards Saul, correct? Or not? I, know, I would. If I know this guy's trying to kill me and take me out, and he's banished me and stuff, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be irritated. And there's no ways I'm going to just want to honor this guy. But yet, David, David was willing to be kind and offer kindness to Saul's family. Obviously, he was very close with Jonathan, but there was like a, a, a generational thing for, for David, and that he still wanted it, despite what could be. He looked beyond his offenses. He looked beyond his anger. He looked beyond whatever Saul had done to his life, and he wanted to honor and be kind to, to, um, to the family of Saul. So the first thing I want to, or the first main point I want to make, and there's three of them, is that kindness shows compassion. Kindness shows compassion. I don't know if many of you, um, I know I mentioned it, I think the last time I preached, and I used it at the um, Connect um, evening that we had, but we've been watching the, the show, um, I've gone blank now, The Chosen, that's it, thank you, Colleen. Um, been watching The Chosen, and one thing I am struck by 
right through up to where I am at the moment, is Jesus' interaction with people. There is always such kindness in his tone, in his eyes, in how he looks at people, how he treats people, the respect and the kindness that he shows people. One of the scenes um, we watched, uh, I think Karen and I watched it a bit on Wednesday on the public holiday, where he wakes up and he says, I've got to go, he says, I've got to go, go to the, 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 the pool of Bethsaida. You guys, I don't know, you guys know the story of where the lame man is trying to, and obviously in the buildup, you see his agony trying to get into the water. And Jesus goes to, to go and meet him. He knew he had a divine appointment there. He, like, and he goes up to the guy, and obviously he calls him out. But just the compassion that Jesus has for this, this man who, who can't get to the pool in time because obviously people walk past him and run past him, and he was just so defeated and obviously felt very much like a victim and stuff. And then Jesus interacts with him, and just the kindness that Jesus shows him in this moment. And in his interaction with Mary right at the beginning, who was, who was demonized and possessed, and just his interaction with her, um, how he sees her. And it was such a challenge for me in do we see people? Do we see people with the eyes of God and then get filled with the compassion that God has for people? Or are we a generation, and when I talk about generation, I'm talking everyone living right now. We are a generation who've become so busy and rushing around from one place to the next that we don't actually stop to see what the Father is doing and what the Father wants to do in people's hearts and lives. And therefore, we don't have the, the compassion towards people unless we're sitting with them like, and we actually slow down to a meeting or slow down to a visit. But in our actual day-to-day -day lives, in our moment-to-moment, -moment, are we walking around looking to see who God is on and who God, or do we pray in the morning like Jesus did? That was a, like another challenge for me. Do we ask the question, God, who would you want me to encounter with today? Do you trust God for a name? Do you trust God for a picture? Do you trust God for just to see someone who could be walking in a shopping mall, in a grocery store, in driving past someone on a, on a, on a road? Are we asking these God these questions? Are we looking to see whose lives we could touch? And with a, with, with a word of kindness, with something to that effect, are we asking those stories? Are we asking God those questions? You know, if we look in, 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 in Scripture, it's riddled with stories of like the Good Samaritan. You know, the story of the guy who picks up um, the guy who'd been robbed and takes him to medical, like a, I suppose like a little doctor's office and pays for his medics, his medicine and for him to be, be assisted. You know, are we prepared to be the Good Samaritan? You know, and people always say, well, you know, is the prophetic word that, that, that or, or allowing people to come up and just give words of affirmation, that is a vital thing for us of, of, of people who can be kind. Is that, are we kind with our words? I know for myself, I don't know about, about you guys, 
but I'll, I'll, I'll do some con confessing, and my wife always says, you know, vulnerability is a good thing, so I'll be vulnerable. <laughs> I have a lot of opinions on a lot of things. <laughs> hmm? So, it's, it's been a real challenge for me over a good few years. I guess it's married to a counselor helps when she says, Gavin, you don't have to say everything that's in your head. So, <laughs> so for me, often being in a, in a situation where, like, I don't know, someone's being genuine or stupid or, I don't know, something, whatever, sometimes being kind for me is actually just keeping quiet. And it's a, it's a, it's a real struggle for me at times. You guys are laughing, like, um, I'm being genuine now, Okay. Sometimes it's sometimes just being quiet, okay. But maybe you don't have this issue, but for me, sometimes just being quiet is being kind. Sometimes you might have something to say into a situation, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be said now. Sometimes truth needs to be spoken, but it doesn't always have to be spoken now. What is God saying when you need to speak your truth? And that truth can always be spoken in kindness. Thank you, Kuru. Anyone else relate to that? So if you've been on the receiving end of me saying something at a silly time or something, please forgive me. <laughs> Have compassion in your kindness. The second thing about kindness is that kindness takes action. You see, David didn't just seek this guy and find him and then say, okay, well, it's so nice to meet you. You know, uh, I just want to say I, I was really good friends with your dad and your grandfather irritated me like immensely. He tried to kill me and everything, but, you know, I just want to clear the air and you are a really nice guy. David took action. He wasn't just a man of just surface stuff, but he really dug deep. And his kindness went so far that he restored everything that was Saul's to the family. And then he took Jonathan's son and he said, you know what? That has been restored, but I want to take you as one of my sons and you will eat with me on a regular basis. And he really honored him and took him into the house. He was a man of action. And as Christians, we need to be people of more action and a lot less words. I remember watching a movie once, um, I think it's called Evan Almighty. Do you remember that? He's like when he wakes up and all of a sudden he's got a beard and it just progressively gets worse. He shaves it off, but as he shaves it off, it just reappears. And he has to build this ark. Um, and it was really funny. Um, I, I really enjoyed that movie. Because were, but there were a lot of pr um, really profound things. And obviously he has this in interaction with this guy who is like the representation of God. And he gets told to build this ark. And he thinks he is like absolute cuckoo. And um, anyways, at the end he builds the ark and the flood thing happens. Not the way he thinks, but the this flood happens and things are saved, etc. But one of the things that ark was standing for, and he asked him, 
he asks him this question. He says, but how do we change this world? And he says, one act of random kindness at a time. And if we as Christians are prepared to, to do, you know, the, again, another story I remember as a youth guy that as, as, as when I was in my teenage years and stuff, uh, I can't remember who, someone once told me the story, and it's, it's a very popular story nowadays, about the guy walking on the beach, and he has this like, dialogue with, with um, this guy that is walking with him, and he's busy walking, and he's picking up one starfish and throwing it into the, into the water, and the, the whole beach was riddled with starfish everywhere, and this guy says to him, what are you doing? You can't clear this beach. He says, no, I can't clear them all, but I can help this one. And he picks it up and he throws it back into the water. And as he was walking, he picked one up and threw it back into the water. Picked one up and threw it. And then this guy obviously started doing the same. And that is for us as Christians. We're not going to say, be able to, in one person, say, I'm going to save South Africa. It's not going to happen. And I think too many Christians have that mentality that, oh, I'm going to change. Yeah, you can change aspects of the world, but you can't change the world as a whole. Because it's just so big and so many people. But you can influence and change the people that you come into contact with. So Christians, we need to be people of action. People that make a difference in the, in the people that are around us. Be present to those that are, that, that, that are around you. And what is God saying to you about those people? How can you influence those people? It could be giving money. But it's not always about giving money. Like I said, it could just be walking into church... And seeing someone that you've never seen before and just going up to greet them. Because their prayer could be, God, please let someone see me. By just greeting someone, you could make such an impact in people's lives by showing kindness and showing the love of God through them. You see, David was prepared to show his love for Jonathan and what God is doing in his life. And therefore, he began to show and change make an impact in his life. And then the third aspect about kindness that I want to share is that kindness is powerful. You cannot put a price, you cannot um, limit what kindness can do in people's, in people's life. There was a story about a a little lame boy who was hurrying to catch a train. And in the press of the crowd, he experienced real difficulty in manipulating his crutches, especially as he was carrying a basket full of fruit and candy. As the passengers rushed along, one hit the basket by mistake, knocking oranges, apples, and candy bars in all directions. The man who caused the accident paused only long enough to scold the cripple, scold the cripple for getting in his way. Another gentleman, seeing this boy's distress, went to his aid quickly. He picked up the fruit and added a silver dollar to the collection, saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Sonny. I hope this makes up a little. With a smile, he was on his way. The young boy, who had seldom been the recipient of such kindness, called after the Good Samaritan. In gratitude and awe. Mister, please, sir, are you Jesus? 
The man replied, no. Um, no, no, replied his newfound friend. I'm only one of his followers. That was just like, wow. Our interaction with people. Do people ask that question, are you Jesus? Are we showing the, 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 the impact that Jesus could make in people's lives? You see, we invited into this wonderful journey of interaction with the Father in heaven and his people. Again, going back to, to, to Jesus, Jesus act with the person at the pool. And Jesus' kindness to him, to Mary, to, even to his disciples, just that, uh, that, that act of kindness in that moment turned out to be such powerful experiences because in, this kind, in, in, in the case with the guy at the pool, he's, he, he got to walk. He got to pick up his mat. And the religious guys took him on about, well, who gives you authority to pick up your mat? And he said, well, the person who healed me. You see, if we are fully engaged with God in what we are praying and what we're asking for God, if we're filled with the compassion that God gives us, if we then put it into action, and we are people of action, wanting to show the kindness, we have powerful results that come from that. People's lives are changed. People's hearts are, uh, lives are, people that have physical sicknesses are healed. People that have emotional wounding, if we prepare to show kindness and love and be able to walk this road with them, they can be emotionally restored and spiritually restored. But are we prepared to walk in a little bit of kindness to show them that gives God time and in a place where they can have a powerful encounter with God? You see, it's not our power, but it's His power. And if we're listening to God and we prepare to just slow down and, 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 and acknowledge and see what God is doing, we will begin to see the powerful encounters that we all want. If we want to see revival and not just renewal in the church, we can have Amazing times of spiritual worship and encounters with God in the church. But like Wimber said, that is not revival. Revival is when the Christians leave the building. We experience the power of God and we go, we cannot keep this to ourselves. We need to take it out. And when we prepare to have this, this, this kindness, like, God, I've experienced you. I want to take it out and share it. I want to go and show what you're doing in my life. And when we begin to tell stories, when we come together, of, you know what, guys? This is what God did this week. I went to the grocery store, and there was this person in front of me, and God just laid it on my heart to buy their groceries for them. They walked out, but I had this amazing encounter with the person sitting behind the till. And in that encounter, they said, yeah, I, I, I want to experience more of, of, of Jesus. Can I meet with you and you, can you share the life of Jesus with me? That's what it's about. It's not we just showing these random acts of kindness just to, you know, um, be nice. Yes, being nice is good. But we're doing it because God has an encounter with people. God wants to engage with every single person that we engage with. He's got that. And there's those power encounters. Wimber always spoke about power evangelism you know it's it, it's getting out into the street and and showing the grace of god showing the love of god 
and saying, okay, well, people that, that are in wheelchairs, people that are, um, whatever the case might be, encountering them and praying for them and seeing healing in their lives. But we need to be close to God and we need to be listening to God and we need to be watching what God is doing, not rushing from point B, from point A to point B. I know in my life, I always seem like I'm going from here to the school, to home, back to work, to there. And I'm like, man, sometimes I need to just slow down. Slow down. That's besides riding fast. Just slow down. In my spirit, that I can actually see what God is doing. Enjoying what God is doing. Enjoying the nature. Just enjoying the presence of God in my little everyday life. Because if we do that, we begin to have that heart of compassion. We begin to see where God would like to take action. And we begin to see the powerful encounters that God would like to see in us and work through us. Philip Yancey, in one of his... Um, one of his books spoke about um, there was a volcano eruption at um, St. Helens. That's one of the states in, 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 in Washington, the, in, the, in the USA. And after the explosion of all the eruption of this um, volcano, there was obviously tons and tons and tons of ash that had spread out across the whole area and covered all the... Um, vegetation and it was thick 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 and um, the guys who who study this thing and, and, and working in the parks and that eventually said they were they were asking the question when is the stuff going to actually like go away when is the vegetation going to be restored and how's it going to come about because there was just so much ash like feet of the stuff and eventually these guys started walking around and they came across this like little green patch. And they're like, this is weird. And the green patch was in the shape of an elk that was laying there. And obviously, with all this ash and stuff, it died because there's no oxygen or whatever. And with it laying on there, with how nature works and with like, all the enzymes and everything else in the body of the animal, there were these little sprouts of green that God began to work through. Even though this animal was dead, God used it in the whole circle of, of life and everything. Stuff began to, to come alive again. And this was an incredible thing because they could actually walk around and see, and they could see what animals were gone, how many were, were dead, etc., etc., and how the, the whole ecosystem began to, to be fixed. And this was a picture of something that had become extremely broken because of this volcano. And everything had seemed to be, to be dead and to dying and darkness, very much like what many of us feel about our nation at the moment. But yet, even in this, God used this situation that began to restore the park and began to pick up. And these pockets of life started making like just popping up all over the place. And eventually, obviously, everything was restored. And if we think about our broken world, we think about our nation, we think about those things, 
How are we prepared to be these little pockets of green that is able that God could use to restore what he's broken? And that is the challenge for us. And that is the challenge of kindness and the, and, and the power that kindness has and that God wants to use his people to show kindness in the world. And there's an incredible, incredible power in that. And if you think about the story of Jesus, this is what I'm going to end with. God knew that all the religious that are following the religious rules and or doing all the regulations and us as people, we could not fulfill that law. So if you think of animals dying and this green life, think about our Savior who died on the cross and through the cross, all of a sudden, compassion and judgment met on that cross. But through that, life was birthed for all of us in the spiritual sense where we, yes, do we get it all right? No. Do we make mistakes? Yes. Do we fall? Yes. But the grace is that we are there together and God is there picking us up and helping us. His kindness to us is the kindness that leads us into repentance as people. And it's his kindness to us that leads us into showing kindness to others. If God has really made an impact in our lives, we will be people of kindness. The power of kindness should show through our lives in incredible ways, even in the midst where everything seems covered in ash. We need to be showing those little green pockets of life and restoration. And yes, it can seem small and insignificant, but God will use that to make an impact in his kingdom for his glory and his honor. So what might seem impossible for you is very, very possible for him. Amen. Let's stand together and dicks. Hi, me again. Um, so the thing that Jesus always talks to me about in when I hear people, people, yeah, fewer people, um, preaking or whatever, it always comes to the same thing, and it's the challenge is, do you know that God is kind? Do you know that God is good? Because we cannot give what we have not received yet. Otherwise, we are giving out of an empty chalice, and, and that will lead to burnout. That's a religious response. And so many wrestles for many people over many years, especially in this congregation that I know of, has been that very question of, is God good, even though these situations have not looked like that? And then in restoration, is God kind? Is he kind enough? 
to restore? Is he kind enough to forgive? Um, because once we know that, the overflow is kindness. And it's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Okay, so that's where it hooks into the Holy Spirit. Like we experience the kindness, the mercy, the grace, the patience, all of those fruits for ourselves. And then we become, we can become those things to other people. So, Jesus, I just want to pray for this morning that anybody who does not know your goodness or who is still wrestling it in the flesh for themselves would be reminded once again that you are I am and that you are good. And anybody, Jesus, that does not know your kindness, your kindness even to lead us to repentance, Jesus, would be overwhelmed with the kindness of an forever faithful and kind God. You make, you open wells here today. People can come dip their feet in, dangle their, dangle their feet in. Lord Jesus, just according to where people are and where they find themselves, you, you are a gentleman, you do not drag, you do not push. Um, so I just thank you for the, for the gentleness in which you lead us into goodness and kindness and love and the fruits of the Spirit. So I would like to just create space. If you are feeling, um, if you're feeling in that place of, you know what, God, I would actually like to just experience and receive a touch of your kindness. I'm so aware that, you know, through COVID, there's so many people are just feeling like, God, who sees me? Who sees me? And there's an immense, like, just feeling of, 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 of loneliness. And sometimes it's just like, you know, God, can't you just give me a friend? Can't you give me someone who I could share life with? And maybe there's someone here as well who's um, like God's challenging you, you know, just be kind, be nice, be kinder. And maybe there's someone who's like, you know, just saying, oh God, I want to just do things differently. So I'm going to create space for anyone who wants to come up prayer, for prayer, for anything to do that. Otherwise, maybe we can just, just put our hands out in front of us. And just say, God, what are you saying to me this morning? Where are you challenging me? text to do that um, you're worthy of it all just the chorus but and then just engage you don't necessarily even have to have to sing it just engage with God and allow 
him just to worship that over you. If you want to come forward, please feel free to do that. And um, we'll get guys to come and pray with you. Maybe you want healing. Maybe you want the kindness of God and you're saying, God, I want to experience in a, in a healing capacity. Come forward. We can pray for you and we'd love to, to do that with you. just as we we close someone's asked monica to share something so um okay so i only know him as tex so if people know him as tex 
I think it's hiding. <laughs> so um, he's just asked me to come up and he told me that um, he had a really hard two weeks um, in his life, but the kindness that God gave him and what he wants to honor in people's lives is that um, Leighton, don't know who you are, and Kruven, how you kept checking in on him, how you kept checking in on him. And um, I think it links to kindness because it's a consistency of kindness. It's a consistency of love. And um, he also shared how Dave managed to track down his number. And he also gave him a phone call. And that he was just bowled away by the fact that someone would take notice of him. And that's the other father for his fathering. So I just want to present that to the church as an offering of kindness. And just to affirm the guys that have been involved in that. Well done. So let's go enjoy some good coffee. And my challenge to you is let's share the stories of kindness that God is doing in your life and those around you. Let's flood this nation with positivity and good stories of what God is doing more than the news. Amen. Amen. Enjoy your Sunday.